thought the job was done. They thought it was all behind them. But sometimes, the past doesn't stay where it belongs. Now, Brad and Andrew must fight to protect all that they've built. The stakes have never been higher. And the beer has never been colder. This year, the epic continues. This is the Brew and View Podcast. He created the earth. He created all the Hulkamaniacs. Then he created a set of 24-inch 24 24-inch 24 pythons, brother. Oh, yeah, brother. Yeah. Welcome to the Brew <laughs> V Podcast. Hi, everybody. Oh, you're Brad. I am. Mm-hmm. You're Andrew. I am. Once again, I am. Yeah. Just tell them where we're from, where we're at. You're uh, up, or you're down in... Yeah. Bathtub. Yeah, I'm in I'm in New Orleans by way of Chicago originally. Mm-hmm. And then and, did um, some messing around in the panhandle. It's it's yeah. a whole it's a whole it's your, thing. It's your southern tour. Yeah, I'm t- I'm doing the tour and uh it just keeps getting better. Yeah. Uh, I'm right in the middle of central Pennsylvania. Nice. I guess that's redundant. South central. in the middle of central Pennsylvania. Um and for some reason, we like we got hooked up together, and we're talking about movies and beer. Yeah. And you probably already know all this, but in case you just started listening, mm-hmm. okay. that's who we are, what we do. Yeah. And to clarify, I do love it down here. It sounded kind of sarcastic, but yeah. I, I didn't care for living in Florida. We moved here because we fell in love with the city after visiting it several times. So. Yeah. It's it was great. hard to pull yourself away from Florida, too. Mm. Couldn't do it mm. fast enough. Could not. Could not. 
Uh, but that's not what this is about. This, of course, is the show that critics say is all about boozing and reminiscing on great flicks with your old pals. Uh, hmm. Which is, is that what they're odd, saying? Oddly specific, yeah. It's all over the internet. Is hmm. yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. So, I'm glad the clear critics are liking it. Yeah, but they're, um, they're hitting it on the head. So there you go. So uh, I guess we can get into the first part of the show. Yeah. Um. Or are you, anything going on new? Anything happening in your world? Um. In the beer world, I did make it to another – well, I failed to make it to one of the uh, breweries that's high on my list uh, because their tap room is closed on Mondays, Ooh. which I didn't even think to check. Um, I just went, went for it. And uh, right. <laughs> I tried to walk into their office building. Um, not really – like it's just like a, an offshoot of a, of a warehouse, not like a – Right. To walk into just the, high you're the employee's entrance. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And the guy's like, "Can I help you? I'm looking for the beer <laughs> and a job." Yeah. Well, no, nah, it's it's too far. It's too far. I live too close to too many other good breweries to make that trek. But I, yeah, I probably wouldn't turn it down. Be like, you know what? I will make this work. Um, no? But didn't work at all. So uh, went into the old reserve of some others on my list and made our way to a place called Parlow, uh, which I think I they do crawlers there, but I don't think they can or bottle anything. So it's all it's a small operation. It reminded me a lot of Brad. You and I went there when we were in Chicago. Uh, dry hop. Oh yeah. Just a small like six barrel operation. Um, well, I think they had twelve. But just small tanks, um, all brewed on site, and uh, you know they're ha- they're happy to fill your growler, um, can up a crawler for you. But other than that, they even they have uh, which I love this. There's a place in Chicago did this too. I'm sure plenty of places do this. But they have um, they don't serve food, but it you can bring your own, and so they have like some of the favorite menus in the area mm-hmm. just readily available it's like that's a that's a nice touch it's it's not um it's probably not a lot of effort on their part but it's still just letting you know like hey we want you to hang out have a right. good time order a pizza do what you want are they kid friendly um yeah they uh it's it said byo food kiddos and doggies so um, I didn't bring any food and I don't have kids or dogs. So we showed up empty handed and they helped us out just the same, but they, they had some good stuff and I'm looking forward to going back. Cause I imagine it's the type of place where, um, they probably have their staples. Like they probably have like a big three. Um, but other than that, it's probably, uh, constantly rotating. So, okay. yeah, there's places they're nice when you find them. Right? Yeah, absolutely. They're- in a, a part of the city I hadn't been to before, either. So that was okay. cool. By water. Is, is it like a? Is it more? Is this? It's like a sprawling city too, right? It's uh, not real. Con, is it or is it condensed? It's. I would say it's pretty condensed, but there's definitive. Um, 
I think after Katrina, the 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 neighborhoods kind of started popping up. Like, okay. Oh, all of a sudden, this is like where I live now is. I've heard it called like ten different things. Like it's so it's considered the Irish Channel now. Um, but before that, it was Lower Garden District, then uh, Garden District, Uptown. Uh, yeah. So. I don't know. And that's where, where uh, I used to live in Chicago was like that, too. The Little Italy area. They also call it like Circle and the UIC campus and West right. Side, all, all sorts of stuff. So it's all about the branding. Yeah, it really is. It's because the other thing, like when I was telling people like, oh, I've never been over in the Bywater. Like, oh, it's it's hipster central. Like, oh, well, whatever. <laughs> like like the the uh group minds just kind of gravitate towards these same spots while they're well it's weird like i'm sure like they change too like as like as some neighborhoods like gentrify or that's you know, ex- like... i think that's exactly what's going on there now and that's right i i think hipster is code for um poor white post-college kids <laughs> who who don't know any better and don't mind living in a dangerous neighborhood. And then they drive up the prices and they bring in their Starbucks and their yoga studios. <sighs> but yeah. I reap the benefits because they usually bring craft beer with them too. Nice. Yeah, that's, boy. That's, yeah. 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 Speaking okay. of. Speaking of craft beer. Yeah. <clears throat> what you having? Long tangent to get to this. I am enjoying a founder's uh, Doom from their Barrel Age series. It's an Imperial India Pale Ale aged in bourbon barrels. Nice. Yes. Um, it's uh, And I'm also drinking it out of some nice glassware I just recently purchased. Oh, good. So, um, so I assume that it's just going to open my palate up to in- incredible, incredible yes. things that you regular pint sippers wouldn't understand Uh, i kind of uh yeah i'm i they should just serve everything in pint glasses and now i'll have a story about that i guess after because i i just thought about it Uh so but yeah well my friend brennan he hates the uh the 10 ounce pour he's really like if he goes to a place and it doesn't list it as a 10 ounce pour and he orders it and it shows up as a 10 ounce pour which i get but to me, anything like imperial or doubles, I just I'd say eight percent or higher, probably. Yeah, I just assume it's it's coming in that way, and I gravitate towards those beers. So I guess it's kind of just something that I've accepted. Yeah, and I was telling him I'm a, I'm a sucker for the barrel aged stuff, and I'm not sure, but I'm not gonna stop. I know it's it might be just a gimmick. Well, hmm. I guess you can taste it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but this is great. Uh. It's a nice copper color, um, okay. and uh, it's very it's oaky and smoky, um, but then it's also a little bit fruity. Like after that bourbon flavor fades, there's just like a little bit of sweetness to round it out, and uh, it smells pretty good too. It actually smells a lot like bourbon. Good. So there you go. Uh, does it does it dry out 
Um, a lot of the time, those kind of beers yeah. will do that too, especially the higher alcohol content beers. I mean, talk to him tomorrow, I'm sure. But right now, like, no, it doesn't. It doesn't really have that dry, like, uh, what you call? It? I guess a mouthfeel. Yeah. No, it, it's it's pretty. It's pretty good in that department. Um, looking for a coaster. That seems to be escaping me at the moment. Um, mm. But yeah, so the the brewery I work by, they they actually serve everything in these like, I guess tulip glasses or or snifters. Yeah, they serve, I just call them a sniffer. Yeah, yeah, I honestly don't know. And they they serve everything in those. And uh, the other night I was like, you know what, I I like the um, I like the feel of it. I couldn't tell you if it makes a difference. I'm, I don't have, even if it does, I don't have that refined palate. Yeah. So. That's, I think that's for, um, I mean, it may have something to do with it, but for the general, like I'd say 99%. Yeah. 0.9 of the people drinking, like I, I find it kind of weird because I'll have like the, the top of the other side of the glass will hit my nose as I'm mm-hmm. tilt one back. Mm-hmm. Whereas a pint glass, you're kind of tilting your head back as you do it. Yeah. It moves you know? with you. It's, it yeah. feels good. Yeah. And, you know, also, you, you could, if you're doing a keg stand, mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about any of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Look, this, this glassware is great, but if you... Uh, toss me a Miller Lite and a pocket knife. I'll shotgun the yeah. shit out of that. <laughs> Miller Lite and a pocket knife. No worries. <laughs> uh, so yeah, don't worry, guys. I'm not selling out. Nope. But I, I'm just not, I'm just updating my yet. glassware. Just updating my glassware. Yeah, until that uh, uh, Blue Apron check comes. Yeah. <laughs> right Speaking after Amazon it. crushed them. Uh, I gave this a four though. Um, this is a a really solid beer. Um, it's definitely something special, uh, but it's not the type of upper echelon. Like I hold the um, certain years of the uh, Goose Island um, barrel stouts, like those, like those um, barrel age ones. Those are are. Uh, kind of a gold standard in in this kind of even though it's stouts and in imperial ipas are different they're just kind, yeah. of, kind of going with the barrel theme more than anything else so yeah um excellent beer um solid i feel weird saying it's not one of my favorites but i just i feel like i have to justify the four because i see a lot of like 4.5s 4.75s and like right and, and i really like it and and you know maybe it's just more suited to their taste but but i've had other um, doubles and Imperials that, that I've liked better. This is by no means, I mean, four is an excellent score, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's, it's also a 12.4. So, okay. Let's get this party started. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. 12.4 um, ABV. Well, I am drinking from, and I might have to refine my, uh, my, I might have to change my score on untapped because I just started doing some reading on it. Um, so anyways, it's, uh, from Hoppin' Frog Brewery out of Akron, Ohio. Nice. I'm LeBron James. Midwest, baby. And it is the Gangster Frog IPA. And it is a 7.5 ABV, uh, with some, 
I, I got to figure out what the sixty, the O, zero or O, the OG, and the the degree P mm-hmm. are because I don't know what they are. And then uh, it's fifty five IBU. Uh, according to the label, and if they do some labels here, I might start talking about this a little bit more. Um, but uh, and it and it kind of re- references some movies. Nice. Uh, but the uh, the gangster frog is in the in the uh, the font of the the Godfather. Nice. Uh, with the you know the long the G goes across the top of it, and then there's uh, the frog is playing the uh, marionette strings on the on the frog. Um, it's a crisp and satisfying American IPA with with an assertive, refreshing hop aroma, aroma and flavor. Bright sit. Bright, spicy citrus hop character is up front with a, a distinct orange and tropical fruit hop bouquet to add a welcome complexity and strike a perfect balance. It's all about the hops with Gangster Frog IPA. And every time I try to put it down, it pulls me back in. Unquote. Um, <laughs> I thought I like this was it. a double. And I was like, where's the double? Mm. And that's why I gave it. I think I gave it three point two five on uh, on tap. But um, I realized this is just an IPA. I mean, it's just and because um, when I when I do a double, I'm expecting that real heavy punch of flavor, you know, uh, from either the. And I usually you'll usually get that big multi and hoppy feel from a double. Yeah, you know, not just the hops from a single IPA. But usually you get um, a lot of other stuff and some alcohol uh, taste to it as well. Uh, this doesn't have that. This still goes down really smooth. It doesn't taste like anything like a 7.5. But I, I just thought it was bland for a double. But now that I know it's just an IPA, which is weird, um, I guess expectations are a lot of things. I'd probably give this more like a 375 or a 4, um, which I, I don't know what that does to my uh criticism or you know my critical look on things but yeah. um but i guess knowing what you're drinking i get you know what i mean like yeah absolutely because it it um your anticipation and your expectations and also i think the way how you weighed it against like other beers you've had right kind yeah so i mean to... this is a this is a pretty a pretty a nice it's very smooth very smooth there's nothing on the back end that gets you um the it's it's not very bitter the ibus are down for an ipa it's i mean it's 55 if you got a 55 ibu with a 7.5 you're expecting a little bit um you usually with a 7.5 ipa you're expecting more ibu in my in my experience but mm-hmm. um yeah other than i think I think the um, this is a uh, an IPA for I'd say the masses because uh, well the the heavy drinking masses because you don't get a lot of that hoppy taste to it so mm-hmm. uh, but it's not bad I don't see I don't get all the distinct orange or tropical fruit hop bouquet um, but I don't know um, yeah uh, decent beer check it out if you can. <laughs> Hopper Frog Brewing Company out of Akron, Ohio. Nice, yeah. I have not. I don't think I've ever had anything from them. I don't want to say I've heard of them, but at the same time, I feel like 
it's somewhat familiar. So maybe I've just come across it online, but I've definitely maybe. never had anything from them. I'll say definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I wanted to say, though, um, I don't want to blow up my spot, but uh, there have been some steals at Whole Foods. Yeah. Um, so this Doom, I don't know if uh, maybe it got re-released or – but I remember kind of it, it making a little bit of a splash when it first came out. And um, I saw people were paying in like it, it looked like it was coming in at like the uh, 16 to 20 dollar range, depending on where you picked it up. Um, it was at Whole Foods for like eleven ninety. That's uh, good. Yeah, really. Uh, good. I was yeah. able to find a uh, barrel, <laughs> a barrel aged old Rasputin. Um, I was able to pick one of those up for 14 bucks, and yeah. the only other time I saw it was at a place for 20 and it sold out really quickly. There were a couple bottles just hanging out there. Cool. Um, yeah, and uh, I, I told you I, I was able to find some Hop Slam there. So they don't have a huge selection, but sometimes it's, it's almost like uh, if you know what you're – it might not have everything you're looking for, but if you know – kind of like what's popular in in the craft beer scene at the moment um right you might be able to come across some some something decent for yeah for a good price so maybe just there's a there's a beer connoisseur in your uh, in your beverage department maybe and yeah. and, he, and he or she's just kind of you know in there saying ah, I, I know someone's gonna like this it's yeah be like and i'm trying to do right by them by buying it yeah Oh, you're supporting, you know. Amazon, yes. Yeah. I, know. I, I love Amazon. We talk about Amazon every show. So Yeah, but we do. We, but we don't have a click banner, so. Yeah, they're getting a little big for their britches, but. <laughs> a little big for their britches. They used to sell books. Now you can yes. buy, like, a, a drum of lubricant. Yes. <laughs> I remember when they first were doing, like, Prime Day or whatever. It was, yeah. It was it was not um, as popular as it is now, but like people were all over the internet because they had like a crazy like um, ten gallon drum of like lubricant <laughs> on Prime Day, and everyone was like, "Oh wow, thanks! <laughs> <laughs> I can't I can't pick up this popular movie for really cheap, but yeah, I lube yeah ten gallons of personal lubricant." Perfect. Nice. So glad I pay a hundred dollars a year for this. <laughs> now I'm, Dude, I, I'm, I'm like telling you, like that, it I, is a deal. Yeah. Like, uh, and this isn't a plug for Amazon. No, but. yeah, we get nothing out of this. But yeah. it it is for you or I, and and you use the music more than me, I think. Yeah. Um, but I don't even know how uh, how much you order stuff from Amazon, but between all the movies I stream and yep. all the free shipping I get, I it's I'm I'm not interested it's in finding out totally how worth much it. more I would spend. So And I've lost you. No. I, I hear you. And hopefully So this is telling us we have a poor connection and that the video will resume automatically when the connection improves. But right now, I'm just filling the air, letting you know what's going on here. 
um, as we wait for this connection to improve. But it looks like it has gotten worse. And now Brad is no longer with us. But don't worry, I'll keep talking with a lot of pregnant pauses. I think that this uh, very wonderful beer is already taking a little bit of a toll on me. And it looks like we've got Brad back. Hello. Hello. La, la, la. It's all right. We're rolling. We're rolling right through it. Nice. Oh, that's... Oh, never mind. Um, yeah, so I was just... Uh, what were we talking about? Amazon, yeah. There's yeah. no uh, There's no doubt in my mind that I'm saving money with... Like, even in the just little innocuous, like, picking up books here and there, or the amount of money I save, like, um, with the Kindle, because I have a yeah. Kindle, and you can do, like, the Kindle Unlimited. Yeah. And you just read a ton of books for free. Now, obviously, you can do that at a library, too. But then yes. you have to leave your house. Yeah. You have to yeah. interact with people. There's this whole thing about not drinking and driving. And look, hmm. we're all about the boozing here, but we're not about the losing. What's losing? <laughs> Going to jail for drinking That's right. and driving. Stay out, of, stay out of jail. Don't drink and drive, kids. Yeah, keep your nose clean. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> so... Anyways, uh, I did have a little bit of a beer experience. Nice. I, did, I went out to dinner with my wife and my in-law, my sister-in-law and her husband, or uh, so Ryan, uh, my <laughs> cohort. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they were going to a, a show. My wife and her sister were going to a show. So Ryan and I tagged along, and we went to a couple different, uh, well, one brewery and one tap room. Nice. And the brewery was Mud Hook in, in York, Pennsylvania. Sure. They got a couple of nice beers. Uh, and then we went to this tap room. It's, uh, what is it? Hound? Hell's? Allen Hound or Hell's Hound or something, to, some kind of tap room. And, um, and they, speaking of the different uh, styles of the, the, the drinking or the glassware and stuff, they had a list of like eight different glasswares. And the prices beside them, so I knew like the Pilsner and the ten ounce pour, and uh, there's like there was three I knew, but the rest of them like I ended up having to ask like what the difference of what all these different ones were, and they explained to of course I forgot, uh, but it was right there. What was nice is like all those different pours had all the same prices, so like they had probably fifty beers on tap, nice. and they just explained beside it was just a chalkboard. And they had, um, beside it, they told it if it was a pills or a 10-ounce pour or whatever, and they were all the same. Like, there there was a standard price for those different beers. Oh, you know what I mean? So, cool. like, like, if they had something like a rarity on tap, you know, they weren't jacking up that price just for that. You know, it was just... Yeah. A, and, it, you know, like I said, everything probably above 8% is going to get a different pour than, like, a just a pills glass. But... It was nice. It was. I had a couple good beers. It was fun too. So, uh, yeah, Howling or Howling Howling Hound, maybe Howl. I don't know. Somewhere in New York, if you're in <laughs> any area, uh, Matt K probably would. Uh, you could probably get to that place. I'm sure. Oh, I nice. I, actually, I need to. If 
I don't know if he listens regularly, uh, but I'd like to hear some of the places he checks out from Littitz. Yeah, I I could make that happen easily. We need to stop talking about it and, and do it. Yeah. But, of course, you know, by the end of the show, we've been drinking beers. Yeah. All our notes are laughs. blurry. Yeah. Our yeah. pets' heads are falling off. <laughs> Dogs and cats uh, living together. But if you get drunk by the end of this podcast and you want to look back and see what we were drinking because you can't, just can't remember, you mm-hmm. go on Untapped and check it out. Like us, friend us, have cheers with us. Tell us what you think. Comment. Uh, some of the people who are hanging out with us, I guess, mm-hmm. on Untapped. I got some brain farts going on here. Mr. Brennan. Yeah. Uh, just serendipitously is drinking uh, the same beer you're having uh, two states away. Hmm. Yes. And and uh, Mr. Neil across the pond is, uh, is actually drinking some uh, something that's a little bit nondescript. Yes, it's uh, Dr. Thirsty's number four blonde, which <laughs> I like it. It's from Witchwood Brewery. I'm not going to pronounce these breweries' names. They're all like Devonshire or, you know, whatever. It's Blondale. Uh, JK, having a sensible sweater. <laughs> That's think, a great name. Yeah. Uh, from McKellar M- Brewing. Oh, yeah, yes, yeah. They do interesting stuff, but they do really good stuff, so. Uh, speaking of Matty K, yeah. he's uh, having a Blue Trail Lemon Blueberry Shandy mm, from okay. Lancaster Brewing Company. I remember having that and really liking it at the their tap room. Nice. And, uh, yeah, so there's some of the guys. I haven't seen Fredo on here for a while. So, yeah. Um Detox. Oh, Brant Gar's having a nat- had a natty ice. Oh, all right, there you go. Yeah, like I said, tulip glass or uh, or aluminum cannon and a and a pocket knife. I'm there. Doesn't matter to me. So, yeah, as long as there's some yeah. some cold brews and some cool dudes. That's right. <sighs> it's all it's all I need, man. Hmm. <laughs> Oh, so. But there's something um, else that eats up yeah. a lot of time in my life. A labor of love. Wouldn't even call it a labor. Uh, we, wa- we watch a lot of movies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, I had to catch up on some, uh, some, some del- delinquencies I had from last week. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm anxious to talk some movies because I, yeah. um, I tell you what, how about I go, I, I'll do my War Machine. Yeah. You do the one, then you do yours, and then I, um, I got a lot to say about the one you assigned me, so Perfect. we'll just alternate, if that's cool with you. Absolutely. That sounds great. All right. Uh, going to War Machine. Uh, come that, it came out this year. It's an Amazon, or Amazon, Netflix original, uh, starring Brad Pitt, um, uh, a bunch of people, uh, Topher Grace is in it, um, uh, Tilda Swinton showed up, um... Uh, a bunch, uh, Anthony Michael Hall had a big role in it. Um, bunch of, uh, actors you'd name Alan Ruck. You'd notice him. You know him as, uh, what's his name from, 
Ferris. Uh, Cameron. The, yeah, Cameron. Yeah, from, from uh, Ferris Bueller. Yeah. But anyways, uh, this movie is a. It's about um, the Afghanistan the Afghanistan war in. Uh, well, it's it's based on a true story, and and it's it's about a general that come is 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 uh, tasked to come in and and turn the war around and make <clears throat> and end the war. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Oh no! Oh, Uh-oh. I was I was coughing. Oh, nice. Nice. So I was trying I, to that was, be professional. You were, and I ruined it, but that was very covert. I like that. Um, anyways, um, so it's about a general trying to come in and save the war. Um, and this movie's so weird. And I think it was Jason that said about, well, it's a good thing you didn't watch it, but I obviously <laughs> finished watching it. Yeah. Um, I think Neil uh, was chimed in on Twitter about, how he was kind of disappointed uh this it has brad pitt doing this affect mm-hmm. that is very odd and really has no bearing on the story other than to uh other than and the, other than to make him seem out of touch and socially awkward and I guess to show that, you know, these are the people that are running are this the greatest, you know, army the world has ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, this is like, OK, so this this movie is based on an article written by uh, a Rolling Stone uh, journalist. Um, uh, I should give him credit. Um Maybe I won't. Uh, But it was based on an article that Rolling Stone wrote about this general. And I'm guessing there was some liberties taken. Well, there were some liberties taken. And um, the characters are a little bit blown out of proportion. But this is written from a point of view like, how are these people in charge of this huge and monumental task? Because it seems like everyone's inept, and like it's it feels propagandish a little bit. Mm. Like uh, it's definitely taken from one side, and like I get it where you know we've been in this war that's the longest war in the United States history, mm-hmm. the Afghanistan War, and it, like we don't know how to get out of it, and like. And everything, and it's like it's being run by people who have these huge egos and want to attack it as if it's like World War II, as if it's um, uh, like a standard warfare that, you know, it's by the books where, you know, you don't. And one of the things they keep harping on is like, you know, one day the people that you're trying to help are there are happy to see you the next day they're not. Mm-hmm. And basically that's the problem, you know, when you have insurgencies or um, whatever, it's just, it, it had a, it had a story to tell, but like, it was like the care. I think it was done like maybe to be a, 
uh, what I don't know, um, a satire, mm. I guess. And I think it was, but it like the characters were not likable. Brad Pitt's character was like he did himself no favors doing this. Um, he was not like he, the whatever he decided to do, like. <clears throat> I just think he wanted to do something just super weird and just stuck with it the whole time. <laughs> and it just was disappointing. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, it's probably a five, uh, for this movie. I like right now it's, it's sitting about 6.1 mm-hmm. on, um, on the, uh, on the old IMDb rating, uh, with a 56 meta score. So it's not getting well received. I was hoping for something a lot better because they were really pumping this up, um, like earlier in the year. I was look, looking forward to it. I was, yeah. you know, I thought it was going to be good, but it's just it just fell flat. So this it's a streamer on Netflix. If you're want to see Brad Pitt do something totally different and off off of uh, his normal gig, I guess. Um, I don't know. It's it's. I guess it's worth the watch, but I, I wouldn't recommend it to many people. Mm. Um, so uh, you can skip this if you're if you're teetering on the fence about it. Yeah. And Anthony Michael Hall, he's the worst in this movie. Just the worst. Isn't he just the, kind of the worst? Oh, I used to love him. But now... Now he's all... Uh, yeah. He's, he's not who he was. No. I don't want to be a nerd anymore. Bummer. Oh, that stinks. Um, that's okay. But that's the, what yeah, we're here for. We're trying yeah, to it's, it sounds uh, like it's, it push people. Trending very well. But I watched a movie that's yeah. uh, trending pretty highly called Okjaya. Um, O-K-J-A. And basing my pronunciation on what trying to best replicate what people were saying in the movie. Um, but I don't think everyone was on the same page of what it was, but right. No, of, and I'm anxious here because I've, I started watching it. Um, just didn't have time or mm-hmm. whatever to finish it. And I, well, how far did you is, get? Um, I got to the point, uh, right, right. As the, um, the hippie people came up to the top of the mountain. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So you got to see a pretty good movie. Okay. Um as far as as far as establishing characters and um as far as setting up this world goes. I think that that's about as as far as it goes with with a quality movie. But okay, so here we go. Uh meet Mijaya Mija M I J A a young girl who risks everything to prevent a powerful multinational company from kidnapping her best friend, a fascinating animal named Okjaya. Um, Jun Ho Bong directed this, uh, wrote and directed this, and as we talked about, uh, he did the movie that I really liked, uh, uh, The Host, um, more recently Snowpiercer. Uh, yeah, which, I really like that. Yeah, it gets... A lot of praise. I still haven't seen it, um, but I think it's streaming. So I think so. I'll, I'll look that way. I don't have any. I don't have an excuse anymore. Damn it. Um, but so he's got a little bit of a 
pedigree with maybe the a little bit off the beaten path, but some people know his name. Um, I mean, it is not streaming. It's not okay. No, Whew. except on Fredo Flicks. Oh damn it! Well now I have to watch it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I I do want to watch it. It's one of those that um, just kind of got away from me. I think it was streaming for a while. Yeah. Um, but that's that's kind of how it goes. Anyways, um, I think this answered the question that we always talk about um, with the language barrier. Okay. Is um, do we give these movies a pass or find more? Um, a, a deeper level of appreciation or um, create our own subtext for these movies um, because we have this language barrier when we're watching something that's not in English. Right. Um, <laughs> he, uh, the English speaking parts of this movie were like watching a movie that wasn't in English. Okay. Like, it was just, the script was terrible. Oh. Yeah. Once you leave South Korea, uh, not even that. So, um, I thought the first act of this movie was great. I was fully invested. I really liked this little girl. The The CGI is pretty, you know, quality CGI. Um, they they sell you this world, and and I bought into it. I enjoyed it. The moment that this animal rights group shows up to uh, liberate Okjaya is the turning point. And I have never watched a movie nosedive so fast. I've seen a lot of bad movies, but not a lot of movies that have this high of a high to go to such a low low. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's definitely, um, that there, there's a scene in the, uh, the truck, this convoy where there are not, um, this commercial truck, not a convoy, um, Mm -hmm. where they, Paul Dano is talking with the little girl and it is. It is what I think, if it were subtitled, it would be masked. I almost want you to give, like, give the movie another 20, 25 minutes and then, okay. and then, and then bail on it, Cause, uh, unless it hooks you, because clearly some people are really taken with this movie. Um, but it, it just, the script completely falls apart once it goes to, um, once it becomes predominantly English. Okay. Um, and like, like, uh, like I, because I, I saw the part with like, there's some big name actors in this. Like, uh, you know, Tilda Swinton. There's some great beginning. actors in it. Um, um, Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal. It. Uh, Paul Giancarlo Dano. Esposito. Paul Dano. And they didn't. They weren't able to save it. Paul Dano was horrible in this. Uh, um, I mean, I got, I don't, I don't know if he just he just had an impossible task. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal was his performance was shaping up to be entertaining, but the script was just abysmal. Um, specifically, there's there's 
just these glaring issues of sometimes there's very unclear motivations. Like this seems completely out of character. This, this is um, based on the rules that this character has established for themselves. They're behaving the complete opposite over something that wouldn't seem to warrant that. And then other ones are just, they're um, completely on the nose, like telegraphing what's, what I think is supposed to be subtext. So there's a scene where Jake Gyllenhaal, Jake Gyllenhaal plays like a uh, TV personality animal. Like a Steve Irwin type. Yes. And he, um, he obviously, uh, when you meet him, it's it's like okay, he's not this this perfect guy that he plays on TV. But there's nothing to suggest that he is not a, a, an animal lover. Um, there's a scene about an hour later where he is um, torturing Okjaya and crying and drinking and yelling to himself, "Why am I doing this? I love animals." <laughs> What? Mm-hmm. Get the fuck out of Oh my goodness. So, um it's supposed to be I I mean it is. It doesn't do it well, but it is a commentary on factory farming and the the animals that are just basically the animals that just live to die to become our food. Right. Um and I think that that's where a lot of this positive reception it lies is that it's kind of preaching to the converted. Yes. Um, but like I, I was reading like user reviews and, and user scores and stuff like that. And someone which is just doing that for a movie you don't like that other people like it's, it's masochistic. It's stupid. I don't yeah. know why I was doing it, but um there were people who were like, finally, someone's showing it like it is. I'm like, showing it like it is, everything in this movie is hyper stylized. The animals don't even exist. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not saying that, that um, there's probably, I mean, I've read The Jungle before. I know, uh, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of bad stuff happening. No, yes. No question about it. Um, but is this really championing championing that like is this really showing it how it is is this like a really strong commentary on like the the food we eat and like the all the like thinly veiled stuff like the um uh the Mirando corporation like how close can we get to Monsanto with Monsanto? Oh, is that what? Okay. I think that's what it is. And I yeah. am a hundred percent. I would love it if, if Monsanto got shut down, that'd be great. So I think anything that anyone that's selling you food should not have that much, um, invested in their political interests. Um, mm. but, but this movie does nothing to explore that. This movie does. Right. Does well, does it show like, it. does it go back and forth between like, like showing the radical group trying to shut it down, like the bad parts of them as well. Is there like nuance to, for that as well? Um, you know, like the PETA, like, like you know. No, it, uh, it it's it shows up in those strange out of character moments, like those moments that don't seem to have the that don't seem to carry that 
same motivational characteristics that everything else driving them. Right. Like it just, these sudden like flares of a different character. Um, and I, I'm, I'm just as strongly opposed to PETA too. Hate them too. Yeah. Um, that's what I mean. Like, <clears throat> but it, it kind of, another thing too, which I, this maybe I'm not doing, um, a good job of, of properly critiquing this movie because I'm talking about the message boards. But that's the, the, other, the other thing that really suggests that it's preaching to the converted is there were some, some really questionable things that happened with this am, animal liberation front, I think, mm-hmm. is what they call them in the movie. And um, there's some really weird stuff that goes on with them, but they're, the, the comment section kind of champions them. So it's... It's kind of a, a niche movie, and like I think the people that um, they they're just so happy to see their ideals represented on screen that they're completely blind blind to the um, biases and the the hypocrisies and, right. and um, so well, so that's uh, it's not a good movie, but but I'm I guess I'm just trying to figure out where it's trending at seven point five. I've been hearing a lot about it from even before it came out. Um, and I was interested in it too. So it's not just something that like, I wasn't sitting there with my hands folded or my hands right. crossed the whole time. Like I was ready to enjoy this movie. I was excited cause I had been hearing such good things. And um, no, it just, it, it set up a way different movie than what you get. And what yeah. you get is utter trash. Like I was, I was hoping for, and I, and I don't, like they did a good job at the beginning of setting up the relationship between the girl and, and the animal. They really did. And like, uh, I was hoping that that could maybe carry it throughout where you get that good feeling and, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. No, it, 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 it just didn't work out. And well, it was yeah. never, Some, it, I mean, it was never yeah, like, focused enough to be preachy. Yeah. But, um, I think it really just is like there's some some people with uh, um, there's just a couple people championing because uh, I mean it's trending at seven point five on uh, user scores on IMDb but it, um, well it's a Netflix original too but uh, it only has twenty seven thousand reviews yeah now which is which is more than some movies we reviewed on here but it's, yeah it's not for a sure um, I mean. It's just a, it's a shame that the these these two movies, uh, War Machine and Okaja or Okajaya, yeah, or Okajaya, um, they were these are the last two movies that Netflix has put out, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think, think so. Um, like the ba- at least the bigger movies, um, and I mean between the two of us, we we didn't like either one, right? You know, uh, and it's a shame, you know, like. Uh, wasn't, um, no one thinks about, or what's the, 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 the movie that, um, uh, no one cares about me in this world or I don't, I don't belong um, in this world. Yeah. Wasn't that an Amazon or or Netflix original? Yeah. Okay. So like that, that's a good movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Small, independent, good stuff. Yeah. And I think that, that, that's a type of movie where not everybody's going to like that movie. Um, but it it still has the technical bearings about it. 
Not yeah. only did I think that this movie was stupid, but I thought it was a technical failure. Um, yeah. It, it was shot well. Uh, it CG seemed, this, the, CGI the, seemed the pretty CGI well. The CGI was pretty good, well but the script sucked. Um, the uh, just, just a strange... A strange misfire because it, it was like I said, just it it just took a complete nosedive. Yeah, and it just it like there were times where you think like, oh, it's got to be hitting the ground. And like, nope, it's getting worse. Okay, shocking. So, kind of a bummer. Uh, I gave it a five. I do think the opening is really good, but I do think that it promised a way different movie. Okay. So. Yeah, I mean, what you saw? Do you? Um, I wouldn't. Uh, well, I, wouldn't, I got not really it, assigned I got a number, but like, what did you? Do you think it was heading? Um, if I, it was going it, down the path you think it was going, it'd, it'd be a pretty good movie, right? Yeah, I think so. I it, I think it was a little bit like that opening scene with uh, Total Swinton in the like in in the uh the Steve Jobs type speech. Yeah. Like I was like, okay, it's gonna be this type of movie where it's like a little bit um like a HUD sucker proxy or HUD sucker uh what's that? Uh the Coen brothers. Um oh, it, it, like a just a, a little off center yeah of of uh of real life, you know, and obviously with you know this animal and, and the premise is a little skewed, but I just thought it, it could be fun. And like the relationship, I like I was in with the relationship between her and the animal, like right off the bat. I was yeah. in. Yeah. Um, a then, little bit of a drama with the cliff thing, whatever, but they wrapped that up. Okay. And then I was interested to see like how they're going to introduce the characters and like, you could see where it was going. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, uh, yeah, I just got interrupted because or interrupted. I thought maybe it was a movie I could watch with Liam, but then they started dropping f bombs. Yeah, that's the other thing that's really odd is it's it's very um, it seems very geared towards children. Yeah, right. Yeah, but it it just it it kind of just has uh, it just arbitrarily says fuck. Yeah, just for, for no good reason. <laughs> for fuck's sake. Yeah. So yeah, yeah uh, a disappointing movie. I forgot all about the that cliff thing was ridiculous too, right? But it didn't. It wasn't ridiculous enough for me to remember it, compared to all the other stuff that I had to deal with in its two-hour runtime. Right, but it, like it, it had a reason to do it. Like it had a way to set up the characters. Without yeah, it's a lot they, of dialogue, and it's a way to. You yeah, know. they have this unbreakable bond and this this and and that's like that's a perfect kids movie thing too is like this this uh like heightened scenario that like would would never happen but like you know kid kids respond to that more than adults i guess yeah and like actually liam was sitting down with me watching he's like i was telling him what was going on and stuff and then like mm-hmm my wife is out in the kitchen doing something, you know, where she belongs. Uh, Thank you. Finally, a traditional family. <laughs> and so we're watching all of a sudden they drop the up bomb, and Brooke's like, what are you guys watching out there? Like, oops, I turn this off. So yeah, it's, 
I don't know. It, that's it was, it's that's disappointing, man. Because I was really like, excited no to watch fucking it from, idea, but it's great. Yeah, <laughs> that's what Liam said. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's. I don't know. It's disappointing because the trailer looked amazing. I was really jacked up to see this movie. Yeah, that stinks. So. And I I love all the people that are involved in it. Yeah. Um. It just. Yeah. Ugh. Dis disappointed. Disappointed. All right. Well, I guess we're on a Netflix thing because yeah, uh, we're, we're this is cruising. My the one you saw me from last week is Nobody Speak, a Netflix re- original. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Nobody Speak colon Trials of the Free Press. So, I got a lot to say about this movie. Uh, okay. Please interrupt me if you have any like. Because uh, I'm going to try not to go on too much about it, but there's a lot of fascinating stuff in this. I'm very curious about this movie. So, so this movie is like on the Netflix banner. It has Hulk Hogan, yes, as you know, it, as the uh, at the, as the as the movie poster. Oh yeah, brother, sure. And it what it is is um, like a couple years ago, uh, Hulk Hogan and his buddy. Uh, Bubble the Love Sponge. Um, he was yeah. one of your boys down in Florida there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we are. Um, he uh, he taped Hulk Hogan having sex with his wife. And then it was released on the internet and sold. I, I'm thinking it was sold to uh, to somebody, maybe not Gawker, but Gawker got it and then ran with it mm-hmm. and put it, on, uh, put it on the internet. And... Here, what we have at the beginning of this movie, and this this movie has so many different layers. I mean, a lot of different layers, um, and it hits a a, a a spot with me, and I'll, I'll get to that. But so, anyways, it what happens is Gawker runs with it, um, and Gawker's one of these news sites that is uh, skirts the journalistic uh, ethics. It's, it skirts that. They're they're a seedy company. They're like a uh, TMZ style, yeah. Um, where they're they're doing salacious stuff. They're doing stuff that is um, right on that edge of, and and some journalists will say they're bad, like it's bad for journalism. And I I think it's bad for journalism. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but it's something that garners an audience and people. It's clickbait. People dig yeah. it. They want to know the dirt on all these celebrities and all these people. Um, and they're, they get this dirt and they, um, so anyways, they, they go to trial against Hulk Hogan. They, they end up losing, mm-hmm. uh, and get sued for $140 million, which pretty much bankrupts Gawker. Yeah. And, um, and they're, when they're in court, the people from Gawker, they're like, they they're going against this team of lawyers who they're like they can't even believe what's going on it's like uh, like the the amount of man hours and the stuff they're doing actually they're it it seems like hulk hogan's team of lawyers is going through all just minutia and minutia and minutia just so gawker's lawyers have to keep billing them and that's like a point in a movie where I'm like, whoa, that's kind of cre- it's like almost vindictive. Well, yeah, that's, turns- that's kind of how um, <clears throat> uh, it's not really related to anything. But I think that's what like Scientologists like 
when people go after them, they like just inundate them with, with legal right. stuff to, just to bury them. Right. Uh, people do that. Like the patent trolls mm-hmm. will do that. Right. Right. We'll just make them make people who don't aren't, aren't backed have to spend a ton of money on lawyers mm-hmm. or they could settle. And it's, it's just a, it's just a way to make money. And I mean, that's a good point. And, but they're trying to figure out what, how, where is Hulk Hogan coming? Cause like Hulk Hogan is hurting for money. And it comes out that, um, oh damn, I forgot his name. Um, it comes out that they are being backed. Damn it. Oh, uh, let's see if I can, is it teal something teal, Justin Teal? Um, oh, darn. yeah, he has like a bone to pick with the press. Yes. Doesn't he? Okay. Yeah. So like yeah. he, he is the inventor of PayPal. Mm-hmm. And he's he's got he's a, a kind of a, he's a venture capitalist. I mean, he's got money. Got money. he's a Silicon Valley like magnet, and he is backing this. And what it comes out is that he was outed as gay uh, by Gawker mm-hmm. a couple years before, and he was just biding his time. And then he uses uh, Hulk Hogan as a proxy to ruin. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, ruin Gawker. So this, like, that's the first probably half of this movie. Okay, and the filmmaker does, like, as you, if you watch this whole thing, and I'm not gonna get into everything that happened. I mean, I, that pretty much gives away the f- premise of the movie. But the filmmaker does such a good job. This movie is about freedom of the press. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what he what he does is he he tells this story of a kind of a, a dirty a dirty story and a dirty press and uh, no one's no one's a good guy on either side with the Hulk Hogan trial yeah. and then he, then he's like okay try to take a side on that. And see who's right. And then he brings it back to more of a, like he focuses in right at the beginning. And then as he's, as that that finishes up, he starts to pull out. Um, And then he starts looking at a broad scope Mm. of the whole uh, journal, journal, the state of journalism as it is right now. And he does a, a really good job because like, okay. So I consider myself like a free speech absolutist. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think freedom of the press is we, it's, it is dire to have that the fourth estate to um, keep those in power in check. And, but knowing at the same time that it's not uh, a utopic uh, not all journalists are are Gungadin, mm-hmm. you know, uh, or Gungadin. <laughs> That's the opposite of what I'm saying. They're not. Um, they're not uh, 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 Gandhi. Okay, Gungadin. That's so bad. <laughs> they're not Gungan warriors. Episode yes. one. Gotcha. Uh, but but I, and I realize that. But I think there is and. He really tell he tells a good story just by interviews and all this stuff of how 
like the whole like uh, and it's it is slanted for sure because mm-hmm. it, it it goes after Trump a good bit on the whole like the fake news stuff and all that, but it also holds the journalists accountable as well. That's okay, um, it, which is is it is good and it, it and what and they kind of do that too by by speaking to like hey Gawker you kind of got what you're asking or you kind of got what what had you had coming because you weren't doing it you were doing it in in a unseemly way yeah okay <clears throat> and what there there's a it's a, there's a great story in this and I, I'm I'm tempted to share it but there like when you look at people who uh, when we talked about spotlight and we talked about the the journal ethic journalistic ethics and like if you choose journalism and you hold yourself to those standards yeah like i that's something i strive for and there's a story um about some of the journalists uh from the review journal of in las vegas las vegas review journal or journal review um and some of this uh, they got bought out, and this happened. This has happened a lot with like local TV stations, and mm-hmm. some of the uh, they're getting bought by these huge conglomerations or these billionaires, right? <clears throat> and they can kind of uh, tinker and tape uh, tinker with the news and uh, tell you what you know. They can have kind of have a, an agenda, you know, where right. you know. I mean, we see it with Fox, you know, where, where Roger Ailes is certainly one side or if you get it with cnn you know people look at that as definitely the left side you know you know where do you find that middle ground Mm -hmm. but i think you know if you look at um uh uh newspaper journalist you know print journalism Mm -hmm. um there this movie's kind of championing that and there's a great story of holding on it's it's an amazing story like you can't even believe this guy like held on to his ethics and really? in in the face of like i'm just, you know what i'm just going to tell it cuz i mean it's 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 worth to watch this movie yeah. because there's a lot of different other there's a lot of other things in this so this um this this newspaper gets bought out by this real estate or um this casino magnet right um a guy that's worth billions he's uh right leaning and they bought and and they the journal j- journalist at this paper had written bad things about him and all this stuff. He, this guy buys the paper, all right? <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> the guy in question, the journalist in question, had written a book about the history of Las Vegas, and this the person that bought the paper was mentioned in the book two or three times. It wasn't all about him, but he was a big part of Vegas and the casinos that were bought. I think he uh, was the Venetian. He built the Venetian in oh, Las yeah. Vegas. I've so, been there. Holy cannoli. <laughs> and so he's written this book about this, and he's mentioned in this, in this book. Mm-hmm. He gets a libel suit against him because of what he's written into it. Oh. At the same time, the journalist's daughter is diagnosed with brain cancer. Mm. The guy, this this is almost unbelievable. The guy, the the casino 
billionaire mm-hmm. says, I will pay you, or I don't know if it's he'll pay like $6 million or pay for all, all the medical needs of his daughter. Mm-hmm. If if you publicly admit you libeled my name in this book. Oh. No way. Yeah. It is it is it gave me chills. Like oh. the um the I, fortitude in like I'm not gonna tell you what happened, but I gotta get the drop for it, that. Like it 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 it's not just about the Hulk Hogan thing. It it really looks at what journalism is because everyone, you know, makes a joke now, fake news, all that stuff. And, oh, you know, really? for years and years, John Stewart was considered the most trustworthy person in, in uh in in mm-hmm. news media. Right. Yeah. Or, you know, in T V media or whatever. Um so it's it's a weird you know, we're in a weird spot right now. Yeah. And definitely. I think this movie, like if you watch this movie, if you're right leaning, you're gonna get pissed because um, it takes a bat to Trump. Um, it's not like slanderous, but he's like, you know, he, you have to be accountable to the media. Yeah, he and tells I'll, you facts, and you're an ideas guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, it's just, uh, but not saying that everyone that's right is like, oh, okay, Donald Trump is infallible. I'm just saying that they no. take shots at him. So, like, keep that in mind. If you are right leaning, um, they do do that. So, and they don't they don't do that to, to a whole lot of people on the left. So, um, that that would be I would consider a flaw of this movie. Um, it's not fair and balanced, like some other places claim to be. Uh, but I <laughs> I really like this movie. I gave it an eight. It's um it's an hour and thirty five minutes I think long. And it's it's just a well done doc. Um, That's pretty I'm short. Look and see what else this guy's done. Um, of course, everything reset, and nobody. Uh, Brian. Nobody. Napperbong. Napper. Nappenberger. Nappenberger. Looks oh, like. Oh, uh, We Are Legion? Yeah, he did that. I I think I saw some of that. The Internet's Own Boy. The Story of Aaron. Ice Warriors. Sweet. USA Sled Hockey. Hmm, There you go. There you go. But yeah, um, this is a fascinating watch. I I recommend this to everyone. I really do. I I think this is a worthwhile watch. This is an important movie, at least on my side, because I really think that journalism is like super important and it can be diluted it can be slanted one way or the other it can be bought but like <coughs> excuse me yes um but it also like it 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 keeps the the people in ch- keeps people in check it makes people do the right thing and yeah. uh yeah i think we need that more now than ever so mm-hmm. check it out nobody speak on netflix Nice. Um, I definitely I want to watch that. I'll let you know when I do for sure. Uh, nobody speak. Ah, uh, but that that uh that brings us up to speed. As yeah. As far as uh, assignments go, so I I think it's time we dole out some new ones. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Um, I got <laughs> actually in a a weird twist of fate. I have a documentary that you put me on to. Nice. Uh, and I want you to give it a watch called American Anarchist. And yeah. it is streaming on Netflix. So 
the uh, the guy who wrote the anarchist cookbook, many years removed, um, before his uh, he died recently. Um, this is uh, a couple years before his passing. Um, it's kind of a interesting conversation, interesting reflection. Um, looking forward to hearing your thoughts about it. I think it should be a good conversation. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm definitely interested by it because, like, you get these people who are, yeah, like you take like the the radical people of their time, and then you remove them three or four decades away, and like see what has changed and what's mm-hmm. you know, um, how their ideals and stuff. I'm I'm definitely interested. So, um, but keeping in that same theme, um. I'm going to go with a movie or a documentary on Netflix called betting on Z- zero, yeah. uh, a whole uh, documentary about the complex world of Herbalife. So I've heard mixed <laughs> things. <laughs> I've heard some things. Yes. So, uh, yeah, that's what we're, we'll be watching and talking about next week. And if you, uh, we'll just want to wait, you're like, okay, well, I'm not going to waste my time if these movies are bad because Brad and Andrew will tell me tell if they're you. good yeah. Yeah. Uh, next week. But oh yeah, you want to watch something that we have watched and what are good, what mm-hmm. is good? Mm-hmm. Uh, streaming on Amazon Prime, Kingpin. Sick. You get Randy Quaid before he went crazy. <laughs> and then Woody Harrelson at his best. <laughs> uh, yes, absolutely. Um yeah, Kingpin's a <laughs> a good movie. I won't say underappreciated because I think the right people like it. <laughs> yeah, but it's a good one. Um, and uh, you assigned this to me a while ago. It's newly streaming on Netflix, so I'm going to go ahead and throw it out there just in case people have missed it. The mockumentary Best in Show. Yeah, Re- recently added to Netflix. I don't think you can miss with this one. Logic. Christopher at his best. <laughs> I guess you could say that. <sighs> wow. A lot of heat tonight. A lot of good yeah. ones. The good and we're good and plenty. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, a lot, lot of great character actors playing great characters. That's what yeah. this is. So. I, I see seen Ed Begley Jr. pop up on a bunch of different stuff here recently. I just love to see him on screen. He's great in Arrested Development. If you're ready to take the plunge, <laughs> you just let me know. I'm I'm just I'm gonna hold out. I'm gonna hold out. Yeah, holding out for five seasons in a movie. Yeah. Oh, I hope. I want. I want Community to do something like that. I want a movie. I love that show. Yeah. Yeah. That I, was uh, their one of their things. Yeah, six seasons. In, I think. Um, Arrested Development is around around the same time period. I think, I mean, not that it, neither of them are incredibly clever slogans, but yeah, I yeah. think that was, I think Arrested Development met its demise first. And I don't, I don't know how that would work, um, how that translates, but <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, you put the right people in place. Yeah. No. Get a good script. You're right. It'll work. Yeah, it's. I mean, Futurama sure. was able to do it. If you like yeah. Futurama, you probably like their their hour and a half features. 
I happen to like it. So, yeah, but, yeah, it it can work. It just doesn't. It seems like because they both those shows spend so much time developing these characters and developing these running jokes that it almost seems like a cop out to only let them have an hour and a half for a story arc. But I don't know what, what can you do? I, I'll take it either way, I guess. Like I, I'd, I'd like to have more, just more seasons as long as they can be fresh and clever. Uh, yeah. But I, I guess I, I happily accept an hour and a half, hour forty five minute version of Arrest Development. So Yeah. Well that's the thing, like, you know, they uh you know, spend you know, you know you have the talent there right. to act, right? But spend instead of trying to do like eight, ten episodes or twelve episodes or whatever, put all that effort into making a great script. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's true. So that's uh yeah. That's that. Uh, That's that, yeah. American Anarchist, Betting on Zero. We're going to be reviewing those documentaries next week. Um, If you're looking for something in the meantime, so we got got two documentaries. In the meantime, we got two really good comedies um, that we're recommending for you uh, in Kingpin and Best in Show. Yeah. A lot of stuff Um, to watch this week. Yeah. Dog Days of Summer. It's too hot out there. Stay in. Watch a movie. Too damn hot. Have a beer. uh, are there, I what is isn't Dunkirk coming out next week? Yep. All I think right. So and Friday. Uh, we were talking about yeah. new releases. Like I'm, uh, yeah. I got to I got to find a way to get to uh, the movie theater with my wife. See the big stick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I so. really want to see that one. And of course, uh, Spider Man. But Dunkirk, I think, is on top of my list. Yeah, so. Spider Man will Spider Man will be there. He'll be there. Yeah, I'm not too worried about Spider-Man, honestly. Nope. Um, nope I'm sure nope, it's nope. great. Michael Keaton is in another movie, so it's probably good. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, Dunkirk and The Big Sick probably couldn't find two more different movies this summer. Yeah. Um, yes. But, like but I'd Small O' Indie mm-hmm. released on, like, what, a hundred? Maybe, no, like, three, three, uh, th- three, on three screens like when it first came out and yeah. then it did so like, it's the little movie that could, it like kept yeah. getting like great, like a reception and reception. And it just, it spread out and it's awesome. Yeah. Well, I, I, Camille, uh, Nanjiani is, he is a funny guy. Like he plays great characters. Um, but even as up, like you can just kind of, when you get to see how his mind works, he's, he's a funny guy. So, so yeah. yeah, I, I don't doubt that if uh, if more people just just make an effort to see it, uh, I would not be surprised if I'm not, I'm not surprised that that it kind of is that little movie that could because good good stuff. So so yes, um, we got we got a top five. It's it feels like it's been a little while. It's since been a while, man. It has yeah. been a while. Um, um, but um, before we do that, yeah, you can catch us every week. Uh, the saucelounge.com is where we host this show. Um, every single episode is posted there. Um, along, along with that, we have Matt and Andrew vs. Society, which is a show I do with Matt. Um, two guys, one week, no rules, of course. Uh, and uh, if you need more Mr. Brad, which obviously you do, 
uh, it's spanthevoid.com. Span the void every week. Yeah. And, uh, uh-huh. of course, if you're listening to Bruin View, follow us on Untapped. Follow us on Twitter at Bruin View Pod. And uh, email us, BruinViewPod at gmail.com. And iTunes, subscribe, rate, and comment. That's going to get us the most exposure. Um, but for, for the kids at home, what are you guys talking about on Span the Void this week? Actually, we got, in the next couple weeks, we got some great, great interviews. Um, we got, next week we got a person that was on Naked and Afraid. Mm-hmm. Coming That's up, coming sweet. on, um, and then the week after that, my wife and Schlads are coming on. Oh, and then the week after that, I think we're going to get a guy who went to jail for a Ponzi scheme and spent five years in jail. Wow, you guys and, are really upping your production value. Yeah, I'm, I'm, it just so happened that all this kind of fell at once, and <laughs> nice. Um, pretty anxious just like all those all those guests i'm really anxious to talk to mm-hmm. i you know uh especially brooke because so I you're married expect- to brad what's that like <laughs> awesome. how awesome is he <laughs> go on hmm. <laughs> nice. so i'll have a a reason to talk to my wife instead of podcasting uh, shared interest yes yeah. so nice nice no but uh, yeah i'm i'm jacked up about uh our guest list coming up here but nice yeah. As always. Mavs will probably have something going on in the next two weeks. I don't know. Tough to say. Hmm. Bicentennial or whatever. I haven't heard about that. <laughs> as as every episode. What episode's this? <laughs> what episode's this? Yeah. I, I think it's funny because you're like, yep, it's this one. It's, it's the one right after the last one I talked yeah. to you about. Yeah. It's a, it's a quick, <laughs> quick check. Yeah. We're, we're almost so, 200, right? Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, we're getting close. You better believe it. <laughs> now that's gonna be awesome. Um, yeah. You guys, do you have anything big planned? No, we don't have anything planned at all. So hopefully there's some good. Like, well, I tell hopefully you what, someone. A... Hopefully someone has some like tacos or something, so we have some bathroom stories. That's yeah. that's our only <laughs> hope. <laughs> yeah. Or or Matt does a real hard hard and heavy like a bumble. Uh, uh, push uh, uh, a tender and bumble internet dating push in the next two weeks. Yeah, to get you know some... what? I need to tell a story that I think is interesting so that he will tune out, match with someone on Tinder, and then we can stalk them. There you go. There you go. <laughs> That's the plan. <laughs> so, so, yeah, uh, um, we, we got a lot going on, but we love hearing from you guys. Um, and uh, we want to interact with you guys. I know we, we've we've kind of been – uh, we're not ghosting you. We're still here. We just, we, uh, Hey man. Yeah. We, we had some stuff going on. It's summer, you know, we're trying to take it easy, trying to have a little fun. Yeah. Yeah. A couple, couple laughs. And yes, Donnie will be by the In-N-Out Burger. Hmm. You know, shit like that. Um, uh, so do you, we're going to take a break. I'm, I'm good if we don't. Um, I'm ready to keep going. I'm, I'm okay. Yeah. So um, we can we can hop right into this. I'm excited. Uh, this this came together pretty quickly. Um, yes, that escalated quickly. Yeah, but sometimes that's the best way to go. So we are counting down five annoying kids in cinema. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so I'll – you know what? I'm going to go – 
well, I tell you what, can well, you know what? I'll go first. Okay. And then, yeah, because I got to do as you, yeah, I'm gonna switch around some stuff and make some. Okay, okay. carry the one, do that. And, okay, all right. It was um, my so, understanding there would be no math. Uh, okay, my number five. This is gonna hurt you. It's gonna hurt you right where, it, right where it counts. Mm. In the this, heart. This kid. Mm. This kid. I mean, by his own admission, at certain points, and definitely by his family's admission. I'm so curious right now. Is a little shit. Is and, he a little jerk? Mm, yeah. Does I guess I, maybe he's called that. I, I haven't seen the movie that many times. I know you've, you've crushed it many, many times. <laughs> so much so that they don't even care if they leave him home alone. But one of the most annoying characters, and I think it's... I think I I can't stand him, and obviously the public at large can't stand him because he can't get another role. But Alex <sighs> McAllister, Kevin, wait, Kevin Kevin McAllister. I'm sorry. Yes, <laughs> I'm sorry. Alex Alex, I'm thinking. Yes, yes. Sorry. There Kevin might McAllister. be. There's like eight kids. There could be yes. an Alex McAllister. There's probably a, yes. Kevin McAllister from Home Alone and Home Alone Two. And not a home alone three, right? That's no, not him. No. All right, but uh, just the classics, is, man. Like uh, I, I think I like this movie when it first came out. But like mm-hmm. any rewatch, like I'm sure my son will love this movie now, and it's probably one of the. It's going to fall into the Christmas rotation because it is yeah. a good kids movie. Mm-hmm. But man, I hate that kid. Fair enough. He, he's annoying. <laughs> See, and I, just his, his little one liners and stuff. I find it endearing because I've grown up with it. So I'm just conditioned to enjoy it at this point. I guess. But but I really like I I enjoy his his smart aleck attitude, his kind of like Yeah, I I I think the things that annoy you about him are the things that endear him to me. Yes. I'm I I don't even I wouldn't even disagree with you. Um I I can see why he's lovable, but like after a while, it's a little grating. And mm-hmm. I I really understood Joe Pesci and uh, what's his name uh, Daniel uh, Stern. Uh, well, the Wet Bandits. Yeah, I I can see their their vitriol for him, even to follow him the whole way to New York <laughs> in the sequel. Well, Joe Pesci's just upset because he can't swear. I think that's really all it is. Yeah, probably. But. Uh, yeah, Kevin McAllister. He uh, shows all the early signs of a uh, deranged sociopath. No yeah. big deal. And the things he did to those guys would have killed many, many, many men. Oh. So, yeah, the first one is, like, he caused some serious, like, trauma. Like, yeah. physical trauma. I'm not talking about, like, emotional. That, too, probably. Yeah. Um, but the second one, he's just... He's pretty much just killing them over and over again. He's literally throwing bricks at their face off of a three-story building, electrocuting Daniel Stern. Yes. <laughs> just like the most outlandish stuff. Um, but let me piggyback on that because my number five is uh, another annoying kid. And it's kind of my, uh, my cutesy pick, I guess, from 1990s Home Alone. 
um, is played by Jeffrey Wiseman. Who is that? I don't know. But he plays Mitch Murphy, the uh, uh, obnoxious neighbor who shows up in one scene in Home Alone. Yes. And he's he's asking the uh, shuttle driver all these questions, like just just rattling them off one after the other. It's like, does this van get four-wheel drive? <laughs> like, ask him where they're going. And then he's, he's telling the driver who has no, like, point of reference. Like, this kid has just climbed into his van. He's telling just, him about how he has to go pick up his grandma and then drive down to Florida. And he ultimately is the catalyst for this whole movie because he gets mixed in with the headcount. Um, which is how they end up leaving Kevin behind. And then as they're pulling off, he's just yelling to them, bring me back something French. <laughs> <laughs> what a little dweeb. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, but that was my, uh, my I, I had to show a little love. A nice little, uh, yeah, yeah. To Home Alone. It, it's just such a good, and you, so you know him. Um we would always joke because that was a favorite in the uh, the six two six household. If you listen to Mavs, you probably have a better point of reference for that. But uh, that kid's Reno. Yeah, <laughs> just so, kind of asking questions. Yeah, just asking questions, kind of throwing things out. Reno always goes to Florida for Christmas, so it's perfect. Yeah, yeah. Mitch, I, I was Mitch happy Murphy, to meet Reno. That was nice. Reno's the best. I, he made me smile. Like every time he just came up. He's just happy. Yeah, he is. He's, yeah, he's a great guy. So. Yes, I I feel you. I but he is overshadowed. <laughs> I overshowered, sh- shadowed. Yes, by the Kevin McAllister. Yes. All right. So my number f- five, four. It's one character. Five movies. Five different actresses. What? I am lost. Oh. One character, five actresses. No, over the course of five movies. Yes. So we get Dana Barron in the first movie. We get Dana Hill in the second movie. We get uh, Juliette Lewis in the third. We get Marisol uh, Nichols in the fourth, and Leslie Mann in the fifth. Well, I'm talking about Aubrey Griswold. Leslie Mann played Aubrey Griswold. Yes. Actually, her name was, uh, oh, damn it. I just had it up. Her name was, she was married Aubrey, Audrey Crandall, who was married to Stone Crandall, who was played by Chris Helmsworth. Oh, they went and visited Audrey. Wait. So that was the like vacation. They were, they were meeting her. They were like they that? were stopping at her house on the way out. So the newest vacation was kind of like it a was soft rusty reboot, but a reboot of vacation, but it was Rusty's family. Yeah, yeah. We, oh, I'm bothered by that. Yeah, it, I mean, it was a good premise, and I was actually anxious to see it, and it just wasn't very good. Uh, yeah, but anyways, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Good every pick. movie she was good in, she's uh, this character. Audrey Griswold, she mm-hmm. was a buzzkill. Yeah. Uh, if, in the first one, you know, she She's got her so period. so whiny, yeah. <laughs> and she smoked a little up. bit of pot. 
Hell yeah. You know, at least, you know, Rusty was there, able to, like, crank back a beer and yeah. smash it on his head. And the second one, she was just a... She was in love with uh, uh, Johnny uh, Johnny from Karate Kid. <laughs> Ralph Macho? No, uh, Johnny. Oh. Uh, put him in a body bag, Johnny. Sweet. Oh. What is it? who? Which actor is that? It's it's. I, don't, I can't remember his was, name. Was to, the Karate Kid? As we fall down these rabbit holes, mm-hmm. Karate mm-hmm. Kid. Um, he played uh, Johnny. Uh, there's no last name, but William Zebka. Sure, old yes. favorite. Yes, but he was the boyfriend, and she was uh, had an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. And the second one, and the third one, Juliet Ju- uh, Lewis, she was just kind of there. That was the no. She every time she was she was a wet blanket. I don't think she had any punchlines. I don't think she nothing. She ever forwarded the plot. I mean, plots a loose loose with uh, Christmas Vacation. That movie is bad. It's a. It's a good Christmas movie, and this is maybe something we can get into a little bit. Like Christmas movies, you kind of give like that leeway to. It's like, hey, you put it on, you can leave the room, and you come back, and like you don't feel like, oh, I missed that part. But I'm pretty sure I had that movies you hate that everyone else loves. That was one. Of my- yeah, I remember us talking about it before. I mean, vacation. The biggest problem with Christmas vacation is people put it above vacation yeah stupid which is foolish (laughs) i laugh in their faces sacrilegious uh but yeah she did nothing that movie was a pile of steam and garbage um and number four (laughs) i've never even seen vegas vacation oh i've seen it it's shit i remember so um when my brother was first dating his girlfriend um they they were, they had a bit of a hot streak, like, because I was working nights at the time, so I'd come home around midnight every night, and I was living at my parents' house, and um, they would be in the basement, and for a while, they were always watching Breaking Bad, and then <laughs> for another period of time, they were always watching Super Bad. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, out of left, you know, great. Then they were watching Bad great. Grandpa. And then all of a sudden, I come bad home news and they're bears. watching, no, just Vegas Vacation. Oh, I thought they were what? on a bad streak. No, they're on a great streak. <laughs> bad news bears. And they would always listen they'd always be smoking pot and listening to bad company albums. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um yeah, they they're just uh super bad and, and breaking bad hope hold them in very high regard. That'd be yes. that'd be great if it was just like Oh, this is also bad something. Yeah. Let's pop this on. Bad Santa. Yeah. Uh, bad Santa's a good one. I like that one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> color me bad in the background. <laughs> I don't know if I'd want to come home to that. <laughs> no, that would be bad news. That'd be bad news bears uh, yeah, for you. I want to sex you up. <laughs> No, 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 no. <laughs> um, no, you don't. Yeah, so they're they're watching two great pieces of, of media that I hold in very high esteem. 
And then all of a sudden, Vegas vacation. Mm-hmm. I was like, what the? This took a turn. Mm-hmm. I'm going upstairs to play Skyrim and eat edibles. <laughs> it was a weird time. <laughs> it's going through some things. Well, I, I like, so I moved. I know it's very, um, it's very normal now, but I had, I had moved out um, pretty hastily because I, I had dropped out of my second college. Mm. And uh, so I just, I, I hit the bricks and uh, I was out of there. And then there was like that, that between phase, like uh, some of my friends moved to this apartment and I moved home. Um, I think Matt actually also moved home. So it was kind of my saving grace is there was someone like near, nearby. Um, right. <laughs> but so we, um, so I had moved back in with my parents and my brother was kind of like getting to that point where he was like ready to be on his way out. And I had already drowned in freedom. And so, yeah, he was like, just kind of like started dating this girl and uh, who he's still with and they live together now and she's awesome. And um, so it, it was just a weird time where it's like, he's like exploring his independence, like kind of like towing the line and me, I'm just like, fuck it. What is this? A, <laughs> a, a donut with weed in it. I'm going to play video games in my room <laughs> till 4am. <laughs> Weird times, weird times. That's ah, all right. But that's it's, but th- that's I, how you got to know uh, Vegas Vacation. Yeah, yeah. So at least it wasn't a complete loss. Yeah. <sighs> so, anyways, uh, it doesn't matter which, which iteration of of Audrey that comes about. Yeah. I'm not a fan. No. Not a fan. Love Rusty, especially in European Vacation. Love <laughs> Rusty. Dad, I think he's gonna pork her. He's not gonna <laughs> pork her, Russ. He's gonna pork her. <laughs> uh, European vacation. I forget about that one too. Yeah, it's not that it's not good, but I have a little special spot in my heart for it. No, but it's got a, like it. It comes it's down got, to well, it's got Beverly D'Angelo's boobs in it. Hell so. yeah! Well, so does MrSkin.com. Yeah. Let's pause for our sponsor. Just, to, uh, just kidding. That'd be amazing. That would be great. Um. Yeah. Uh, Beverly D'Angelo, she's a hot lady. Uh, Rusty, Rusty is kind of like, he, he kind of goes with the flow and, uh, Audrey, he's, a, she's he's the actually the, the, the voice of reason in almost all, well, the ones I've seen, like be it the first one where. You know, uh, Dad, we just want to go home. Yeah, that's All true. Right. Yeah, and even um, you know, Christmas vacation, he he like finds excuses to like get away from Clark. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, but yeah, Vegas vacation, he's like, oh man, he is not the voice of reason in Vegas vacation. I'll say that. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, that's my number four, Audrey Griswold. Nice. All right. Well, you know what? I uh, uh, you know you 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 got to come for Kevin McAllister. I'm coming right back at you. I'm I'm here to get your old friend. Um, 
I'm sorry. I feel bad because I think this is probably one of the guys you're closest with in in your life. Um, but in uh, the year of 1983, Ian Petrella oh. <laughs> played uh, Randy Randy Parker <laughs> in a Christmas. I think story. it's just spiteful. That's just me. No, no, it's not spiteful. So here here's the thing. This he. Um, Three of the five movies I have on here are movies that I really I love. Um, so I I love A Christmas Story. I think that a, a Christmas Story is a great movie. I think that it's a great movie that operates as a holiday classic. Um, I think that it's it's such a good snapshot of an era. I think that it's a great example of voiceover narration. Um, I think that it's. I, I think that it's got a lot of great like slapstick humor. It's got a great, a lot of great um, witty humor. I think it's got a lot of one-liners and I think that it just happens to revolve around Christmas. Um, yeah. It's like, it's almost like a, a series of like, it's a vignettes. Yes, it is. Yeah. It's, it's all these, these small stories leading up to the, the culmination of, of the Red Rider BB gun on Christmas morning. Um, yeah. And, this is not spiteful at all because I think Randy is an essential character and I think that he carries out his role. I think he executes it perfectly. Where we talk about yeah. Audrey previously um, being a wet blanket and you saying that Kevin McAllister, he's, he's just a little shit. Well, this is, this is told from his older brother's perspective right. and what is – what are your younger siblings to you as an older brother at that age? They're just obnoxious. And that's, so that's kind of the filter we get. And Randy's awesome at that. He nailed yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he is actually, you know what? He is my son because he's like the youngest on this whole, mm -hmm. this whole compact. So like, he's the most kind of whiny and like, yeah. you know, m needs the most attention where everyone else is like a little bit older and is more self-sufficient. Yeah. Uh, but yes, he is the, yes. Yeah. Oh, come on. And, and like even ultimately, and this is a testament just to, to honestly, I'm not picking on this. Uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not picking him out of spite because I do love Randy and I think that I, I he's, know <laughs> I know I know but like he's annoying with a purpose it's not just like a character that rubs you wrong and like I'm gonna go a little further down my list and it's just gonna be like oh well I fucking couldn't stand this kid like that's all it's gonna he has his function in the story is so important and that and he even has that he doesn't really have an arc, but he's fully realized. It's like he's obnoxious. He's a pain in his older brother's side. He's, you know, the kid brother. You got to grab him by the mitten and drag him through the snow. And he mm -hmm. plays there like a slug. But, like, when Ralphie gets in trouble, he's he's so upset and he doesn't know how to process it. He, he just he shuts down <laughs> and hides <laughs> in a <the> cabinet. <laughs> mm -hmm. But, like, it just he, – he's a fully realized – annoying character where I, I think some of the other yeah, characters are from the point of view yeah. of yes that yeah. in the end of story structure he is he lives up to what like from from the child's point of view yes he is the most annoying person yeah in 
in his life. So yeah, that's that's a really good call. Really yeah. good call. Yeah, and and I really do. I think a Christmas story is a great movie that just kind of gets put in with the. I love Home Alone too, but Home Alone is definitely more of a sentimental pick. Like objectively, I think a Christmas story is a a really well crafted movie. Yeah, it is, and like. And like the weird thing is, I'd never, I didn't see it until I was like almost in college. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's weird. Yeah. Well, that I mean, that's that's a testament to it. I think like, you like it though, right? Oh yeah, I love okay. it. Okay. For sure. Yeah, because like Home Alone, I could imagine being a little older or a little younger and being like, mm, no thanks. Like, no, I, I I'm, when I I'm, first saw it, I really liked it. Okay, but, like, for it, sure. But on, like, on subsequent watchings like that's a dated really dated movie yeah absolutely and then it just it kind of it's that um the the goonies effect it's it's that nostalgia filter and um but i think like like i said um being as objective as i can be i think a christmas story is just a well-crafted movie that just happens to focus on christmas yeah yep you're yeah absolutely right or you know die hard yeah um yeah such a good, good call movie. i like that a lot nice um as i was doing my limited research my number three came up on everyone's list but i had to put him in because even though it's my least liked indiana jones movie it's even made even worse by having jonathan k kwan in it <laughs> and uh, short round Adds really nothing to this movie other than a little bit of comic relief in a very weird and disjointed movie that really doesn't deserve like the love that it gets. I and think, we've had, I think we've had this conversation a couple times yeah. just, and well, you, well, you, I know you, you spoke to it at, like, uh, how I think you learned in one of your classes, like yeah. how it came about. Yeah, so they teach this movie in modern cinema. Um, well, they taught it in modern cinema when I was at uh, University of Iowa. Um, I don't know if I don't know if more prestigious programs <laughs> bother with this, uh, but <laughs> but in the Midwest state schools, we fuck with it. Um, they this is used as an example of someone who had a bunch of ideas and then made a story to string them together. So. Um, Steven Spielberg and George Lucas kind of thought up these elaborate sets and this, the story. And when you watch it through this lens, it's totally obvious. The story is completely secondary. There's like, we have all these action set pieces. Let's yeah. figure out a way to put them all together. And they did, uh, I guess a passable job at the time, but under our scrutiny, our scrutiny, mm-hmm. I think it's going. The people are going to change. And short round, <clears throat> he he tried to act his balls off, but like he had no place in this movie because he never shows up in any of the other movies. There's no reason to think that Indiana Jones would have that kind of friendship with a young boy. But maybe that's how he rolls. Because you know, I don't know, who knows? He jets us to off to you know exotic climbs to get artifacts and by artifacts i mean little boys <laughs> indiana jones is a pedophile that's what i'm saying no uh look it is what it is i don't know how you guys missed it 
That's what they taught at uh, Shippensburg yeah. State University. Oh hell yeah! Anyways, uh, yeah, short round from uh, Indian Jones or yeah, Indian Jones Temple of Doom. Like it's just it was just weird, man. Like I at, at first I loved it because I saw this like when I was a kid, like eight or nine oh, years yeah. old. Great adventure was, movie. Yes, but like as I watched it again, like uh, just from the opening scene and in like every little thing, just bugs me about this movie. And then short round just pops up and is like, I can't not talk about him. <laughs> I I love him as Data in the Goonies. Yeah, there you go. Love him there. Goonies, but. Effect. Not in play in the Temple of Doom. No. So, yeah. Short round is my number three. All right. Uh, that'll put us at halfway, so I'm going to go ahead and uh, make a request for a, yeah. uh, a little break here. Request denied. I'm peeing right now, bro. This is happening. I don't know what's going All right. on. All right. We're back. Bear me. All right. So, we're back, and... I am presenting my exciting number three pick. Um, yeah. Who I originally wrote down as the Looper Kid huh. from 2012's movie, <laughs> or from the 2012 movie from Rayan Johnson, Looper. Uh, okay. So this was a movie that I did. You didn't get, right? <sighs> Or you didn't like? I didn't like didn't it. Get it. I, I get it. It's pretty straight. It's pretty straightforward. They do. A, they do a good job. If you're talking about a movie, um, if you're talking about like a mainstream blockbuster movie, uh, that actually wants to try and explain time travel, they do a great job with that. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but how could you not? Because the uh, their um. They recruited the uh, guy who did Primer as their like time travel consultant. So, yeah, obviously you're doing something right. Now, I uh, I think a big thing with this movie is um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's uh, like prosthetics are so distracting that like by the time I could say okay. I can I can ignore this now. I didn't care. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we're already in the middle of Act Two, and I don't know what's going on because he's got a chin and a forehead extended an inch forward. But whatever. Yeah, I yeah. yeah. Not a big well, fan of this movie. Not not even I'm not a fan at all. I don't like this movie. Um, I'm looking back. I I gave it a five on IMDb. Oh wow, that's harsh. No, I really did not like this movie. And a huge part of that is um, Pierce Gannon's Sid. He's the little kid whose jaw seems to unhinge when he yells. And um, every time he's on screen, it just makes, like, I, I, it probably makes me sound like the, the coldest worst person on earth but oh just wait to my number one. Oh, I, I or actually my number two too but go ahead sorry he his screen presence makes my blood boil and that <laughs> that scene where he because he's a little kid in this movie and like kids are like they still are they're growing but they're still kind of like they they have that chubby face it's like i just want to squeeze every fat cell 
out of your stupid cheeks until it comes out dribbling down your chin, you ugly little bastard. <laughs> well, maybe not. <laughs> no, he he cuz this is a movie that by the time he shows up, I'm already uninvested. I'm already bored with this movie. I'm already over with this movie. Unfair or not, I, I I'll be the first to cop that I did not give this movie a fair shot. I just I I kind I was tuned out from the start. Um a couple things were just like, well, that seems like a stupid choice, and I was done. So I, I just when you're not invested in something like that, these little things really stand out to you. These little things being kids, um, <laughs> these little things really stand out to you, and and can drive you up a wall if you're me, I guess. So he. Um, he really solidified that I was not going to enjoy this movie. Like he just bugged the shit out of me. All the like slow motion, um, no noise cuts of like him screaming in a field. It's like, shut up. Your life's fine. You little bum. <laughs> well, there you're, you go. You're sitting at home living off Emily Blunt's dollar and you're going to shout in a field. How <laughs> dare you? How dare you? Yeah. Uh, well, I I don't agree, but I feel rubbed, your pain. I feel rubbed like... me the wrong way with a capital W R O N and G. <laughs> All caps. Well... Anyways, <laughs> uh, I don't write anything in all caps because I'm a Pens fan. Oh, <clears> anyways, yeah. I like that. That was good. Um, mine. This is going to be controversial, I think. Well, maybe, probably not. But it's, I didn't like this movie, and this is a movie that a lot of people like. Okay. And I didn't like anybody in this, except for the non, the one non-actor in this movie. Hmm. And the I especially movie? didn't like... Uh, this wasn't an Oscar-winning performance, but... Oh, Jesus. Eventually, he gets his Oscar later on. But Arnie Arnie Grape. Oh. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's uh, portrayal. No, I'm with you. In what's eating Gilbert Grape? Now I know. Listen, I know he's got he's got some uh, uh, some disabilities going on. But the way that this movie was shot, mm-hmm. and the way the characters were formed, like. I mean, I know you're not a big Johnny Depp fan anymore. Like no. you're done with him. No, he he peaked really early with the Nightmare on Elm Street, and then yep. just tanked. that's really early. Tanked like like really early. <laughs> his only his only IMDb credit I recognize is his first one. <laughs> yes, but um, yeah, uh, this movie I don't know what the big deal is. Like I yes, don't either. It's, it's sad and weird and. Uh, it it shows a little bit of uh, Americana, uh, you know, and the, the the pressures of growing up poor and white, and <laughs> hey, yeah, I mean, there's yes. no demographic in America that's had it harder than whites. Well, I mean, that's... none. <laughs> <laughs> wrong, fake news. <laughs> You're wrong. 
but like uh, this this is supposed to i, no, I don't this, know i, I don't just like don't this get movie. this movie I, and like, i'm with you uh i guess it, when i saw it the first time i thought it was okay but like when i revisited like years later i was like what is this it was like way too much and just you know the whole mama's fat thing is just like it's just you know i hate to call a kid with disabilities annoying especially because my my wife is a special special ed teacher um and hopefully she doesn't listen to this but yeah this uh arnie grape leo eh, not your best work no i agree his his best work was in django unchained yeah pretty that's for me like that's uh one of the biggest (laughs) Yeah, if you're going to act weird, say the N-word about 150 times. Yeah, come then. on. Come on. Plot of the hot man. Um, no, I, I honestly, like, there's so many great examples to point to to discredit um, the Academy. Uh, but I think one of the great, uh, one of the best examples is Django Unchained, which I, I think is one of, for me, one of Quentin Tarantino's lesser movies. Definitely on the mm-hmm. bottom half. Um, to to give Christoph Waltz a nod when he's just playing like the nice version of yeah. his Inglorious Bastards character. Um, when when you have such an incredibly vile, disgusting villain played by Leonardo DiCaprio, who is like America's heartthrob. Yeah, and it uh, doesn't stick with him. Oh, right. He's he's so good in that movie, and it, it's he's like Teflon, like yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, and that's... because he di- he disappears and he disappears into the next role. He yeah. is a really good actor. Oh, he's really an incredible good. actor, and even in I uh, Titanic's a good movie too. Like, um, it, it just it kind of it gets overhyped as as the you know, the romance of the century. But, you know, James Cameron, when he's not toying around with 3D, he can make a pretty good movie. Yeah. Um, see Aliens. Mm-hmm. Um, D2. The Mighty Ducks. T. T. D2, The Mighty Ducks. Damn it. Every week. Every day. Do you guys see what I have to deal with? Yeah. Sorry. Anyway, sorry. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> I can't help myself. You just wait till my number one. It's a problem. Charlie Conway, I will quit for the <laughs> week. <laughs> no, I won't. But you'd be wrong. Uh, hmm. um, no, Leonardo DiCaprio is, is an incredible talent. Um, it, it's just kind of weird that, he, that the awards have always kind of eluded him. But they find, I don't know, movies like The Artist. Uh, directors like Boz Larman, mm. uh, just just weird stuff. There's some weird, wacky stuff going on there. I know. Well, I think did I have this conversation with you about that? I think uh, about the rever- the Reverend Revenant versus mm-hmm. Visa V Hateful Eight, and where we will uh, at least me. What movie resonates with me more? And what movie I think no, will hold think up so. longer? So when when we started this show, 
It was right around Hateful Eight coming out. It was both of them. We did the Rev- we did Revenant. Oh yeah, because Revenant. No. Or, yeah. Or did we do that? Yeah, we did Revenant, I and think, we did. Yeah, because I remember. I think we did Revenant on Mavs, because that was like one of the last like movie specials the three of us did together. Okay. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Um, there's don't, an easy way to figure all, this out. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but it's all very. What episode number is this? <laughs> it's all very uh-huh. it's it's all in the early days of this show um but no i don't i don't think we had this conversation yeah and uh, episode five we did revenant mm-hmm. nice yeah and then uh episode 007 we did the martian <laughs> all right uh speaking of annoying kids actually i don't think we did uh the hateful eight did we not that's a that's a bummer. And we may have talked about it, but weird. Anyways. Anyway, I, I really like that movie. Oh, no. Episode two, we did Ape Wait. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it was. It was yeah. practically the pilot. Yes. Oh, yeah. The dope. first episode. We dope did. was dope. episode one. Man, that movie's so good. Anyways. It's dope. Yeah, it is. It's, it's quite dope. Wow. I'm looking... So we had Dope, Hateful Eight, Sicario, Straight Outta Compton, The Revenant, Deadpool, The Martian, Ten Cloverfield Lane, Spotlight, and then Batman v Superman. <laughs> God damn it. We almost made it into double digits. We had a good roll roll going on there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so what it, what is your, your theory with where we're going? Oh, I'm sorry. Um that Hateful Eight is a better movie than The Revenant. That uh, as much as I loved it and I thought it was really good, I well I I held back a little bit on it, but mm-hmm. I think like lasting, like visually it's great, but you can only see that like once. Like I think that Hateful Eight has so much more going on because visually it was great mm-hmm. and di- like dialogue wise it was gr- great. Well, I just think so. Because I thing. I put those in the same category because it came out basically the same week yeah absolutely they're both like late oscar contenders yeah so here's the thing uh about the revenant that i think that people um tend not necessarily you but i I know another buddy i had a a pretty in-depth conversation about the revenant with um i think people ignore like of course, so much was made of the um, the natural lighting, the the cinematography, the commitment to um, to to making that movie. Right. Um, but I think that the some of the things that really carry that movie, the the central themes of of uh, you have the internal conflict of man versus himself. With Leonardo yep. DiCaprio, that he, it'd be so, it'd be easy for easier for him to roll over and die than it is for him to go and seek revenge. So it's that you have that, um, you know, man versus himself. You have man versus nature, and you have man versus man. Right, you have all a in a wrapped up story. in them. You, Yeah, you have a a lot of like really good themes that maybe 
like all these themes get kind of overshadowed um and i no, that's a that's a really good point really, yeah, yeah so i i think that there's a lot more at play than just how beautiful the movie looks like it, the movie looks great for sure and that was definitely a focal point going into award season but i think that there's a lot of themes and conflicts that are at work there that makes it a little more interesting and maybe there's there's more subtext than maybe we think yeah that's um, I mean, it's it's quite possible and i haven't revisited it just because it, it feels like i would i would have no problem sitting down and watching hateful eight again because i know yeah. the dialogue and it's fun and funny and laugh and you know cringe and all that good stuff like i feel like sitting down to watch a revenant is like uh, almost it's, a, it's, it's like an assignment be homework work yeah yeah but that being said, I love the hateful eight. I think hateful nah. eight is under a pre- I think I, I just feel like that movie was underappreciated. The hateful eight. Yeah. I, yep. think, I really enjoyed that movie. I really enjoyed the small set, small cast. I love, especially when you get someone who, who I hold in such high esteem, like Quentin Tarantino, you give mm-hmm. him a small setting because I, I I think the record will show in this you know seventy episodes we've done of this show is like I will invest in a small setting movie like I yeah. I love the small setting I love to see how you can make this work or how it's gonna fail like I I'm just interested in that and yeah. Quentin Tarantino just masterfully you know uh, did you um, read anything about how he's working on his next film. Uh, I I briefly heard something was like something about his last one or I, I don't know. He's um, working on, which I don't know how far along it is. Um, I think he's planning on shooting next summer, but he's working on his next movie is going to be about the Manson family murders. Oh, that pretty psyched. I'm pretty psyched. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, that could be, that'd be interesting, man, because he is such a, like, I'd be interested interested to see that because you never see him do something where, like, the characters are, like, uh, not real, but, like, um, he's never tackled, like, based on a true story. Yeah. Because, like, his, all his characters are so Mm hyper-realized, you know, or, you know, just, out of this world, you know, just too, like, just too well spoken, you know, yeah. just so dialogue heavy, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm really be interested. I'm really interested in this one. So cool. Yeah, should be good. Um, Vizuring back in on on awful yes. children. Um, got a great movie from 1978. Mm. Incredible cast. Uh, Donald Pleasance, Jamie Lee Curtis, um, written and directed by John Carpenter. Deborah Hill also wrote, uh, wrote this. Um, it's supposed to tell the story of uh, a night of babysitting gone wrong. And what night is scarier than Halloween night? Uh, so, the slasher classic Halloween has a little kid uh, named Tommy Doyle. 
<laughs> played by Brian Andrews. And this kid is such a wimp. It doesn't matter that he ends up being uh, justified in his insane fears. He just kind of winds his way through the whole movie, even before he's under attack. He's just like, the kids at school pick on him, and he's like, well, well what about the boogeyman? Oh, Laurie, did you hear about the boogeyman? Like, he, he's just, he's kind of just whining his way and worming his way through the movie. And, like, to the point where uh, Nancy's babysitting him. And uh, one of the girls, the, the little girl from across the street, Lindsay, comes over. And even she's making fun of him. And, like, <laughs> in 1978, you want to talk about great roles for women. Yeah, a little girl making fun of a little boy for being afraid of the boogeyman. That's <laughs> groundbreaking. Uh, just, he's just I, such yeah, a it's little. It's been such a long time since I've seen this movie. He's such a like, for lack of a better term, just like a, a dweeb. Like he's what that silly word was made for. <laughs> this little kid who sits at home, watches the thing from outer space, which is far inferior to John. Uh, carpenter's version the thing no uh it's, he's just sitting watching a movie that like even at that point is like 20 years old <laughs> in 1978 and he's so frightened of the boogeyman and it just you gotta you, you don't even want to go out and trick or treat you're like eight years old that should be your primary focus is like we gotta get out there we gotta get this candy we'll come back Whoever makes it, makes it, but we're filling this pillowcase with candy. Well, maybe we need to start blaming the parents a little bit on, on this list. You know? Like, where, are, yeah, are where did they go out on Halloween? Like, yeah. it's supposed to be for the kids, right? Yeah, where did they go? And why didn't they ask Lori to go trick-or-treating? Yeah. Yeah. Or even come with it. Like, even if they had, like, some key party they were going to. <laughs> Hell yeah. Which is probably what was going on. Probably. If I know my 70s right. Yeah. This is the tail end of key parties. Mm-hmm. And the beginning of kilo parties. <laughs> nice. Yeah, boy. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Adam Carolla has a great line where he says, the best time in history to have fun is mid-coke and pre-AIDS. <laughs> He's not wrong. As as horrible as that is, he's not. Right. Yeah, it just it made me laugh. Yeah, he's he's nailing that, Adam Carolla. It's so funny to think about. Um, uh, what's his name? Who hosts one of the night shows? And Adam Carolla, because they used to do the Man Show. Oh, Jimmy Kimmel. They Jimmy used Kimmel. to do the Man Show together, and I remember watching the Man Show with my dad. Probably when I shouldn't have been watching the Man Show with my dad. Um, yeah, good for him. Yeah, uh, my dad's always been. He showed me Pulp Fiction, American Pie, and There's Something About Mary, way too early. Way too early. Yeah, but this probably wouldn't be a podcast if if he hadn't shown it to me. Like, hmm. Movies can show you this. Yeah, I'm in. I'm into movies. <laughs> um. Yeah, I remember watching that. It's just so weird the trajectories that they took. Yeah. Because now Jimmy Kimmel's like a very like 
friend to the stars and adam carolla is yeah he's got his pirate ship you know he's doing his own thing which and and the same thing like they're both like pretty successful what they're doing like yeah absolutely like in he yeah jim and they've done it like jimmy kimball's done it the a hard way but carolla's done it the hard way like yeah jimmy kimmel not to take anything away from jimmy kimmel carolla did it his way carolla's self-made yeah jimmy kimmel um you know all all the power to him in the world and he he's able to go from the man show he's able to clean it up he's able to be relatable and connect with you know, these celebrities on like a personal basis and, and make it look good on camera. Yeah. And actually make poke fun and like use great yeah. at the Oscars. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So they, they ended up taking like very different paths, but yeah, I'm, ha- I'm happy for both of them. So yeah, it's cool stuff. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so this is, this is kind of pre Coke, but definitely pre AIDS. So yeah. I don't The parents. Yeah. They're at a key party. Yep. Whooping it up, making whoopee, probably in the butt, Bob, and uh, <laughs> and yeah, Tommy's just at home, terrified of the world around him. Doesn't he want to go trick or treating? <clears throat> Even his jack o' lantern's lame. Stupid Tommy. <laughs> All right, I yeah, like I said, I haven't watched this movie probably twenty years. <clears throat> the Boogeyman, Lori. Uh, oh, he's so <clears throat> whiny. All right, well, my number one. So this kid, he uh, he's he's kind of disrespectful to his mom. He's whiny. He's uh, and he ends up being the focus of probably the entire Eastern Seaboard because he he. He just, he just wants to do his own thing. And the reason he's number one is he doesn't get off scot-free. He gets his comeuppance for being annoying because he whines and tells his mom he wants to go back into the water. And he wants to go out and paddle (laughs) on this stupid little raft. And I'm talking about Alex Kittner. I'm not going to let you cut that shark open and watch that little Kittner boy Kids spill, spill out all over the dock. The <laughs> Some half-assed autopsy on a shark, on a fish. Uh, yeah, Alex Kittner. I'm not even uh, pruned he's, yet. His hands are all pruny. Look at your hands. They're all pruny. Come on, Mom, please. Okay, and his mom's being nice. And, like, I'm not even going to hold her accountable because, like, they're at the beach. They're trying to have a good time. Who knows where the father is? Who knows? Yeah. But and she's trying to she's trying to make her way as a single mom in this life. At least he could do is give her a little bit of slack. And you know what he does? He puts Chief Brody, he puts the mayor, he puts everyone in trouble, and it m- m- makes the whole town of anim anim anime an an to can't even say Amity Amityville, which means friendship. Because oh. <laughs> you know, Anna, Amity, Amity means, means friendship. friendship. Um, yeah, Alex Skinner, number one. 
but he gets his comeuppance. Yeah, yeah, he does. And uh, oh, oh, Brucey boy. I tell you what, uh, yeah, that kid was me, and I was scared whenever I was paddling around in the in the surf of the the ocean. Whenever we were young, and I saw that movie way too young. Mm. Like you were saying with uh, your other movies, this <laughs> this movie violence, is my first sex, m- movie memory. Sharks, and it's stuck with me through all these years, and I refuse to keep it off a list. Yeah, hey, and with that. I, you know, he deserved it because honestly, he was probably one of the kids karateing the fences. Oh, it, probably, probably. They were karateing the fences. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's one of my. <laughs> it's one of my favorite like throwaway moments of like that's never what you think of when you think about Jaws, but just like yeah, like just, if, if someone mentions fences, yeah, <laughs> like oh, that's a, like. You're walking by like a fence is a little bus stop and like they're karateing the fences. <laughs> uh, I love that movie so it's much. Very Seinfeld esque, like... pre Seinfeld. Yes. The, the karateing the fences. Ah, nice. Uh, yeah, nothing wrong with the little jaws. I have something wrong. I've got a bone to pick with this next movie. How about it? So my number one is. Uh, so this kid ruins the movie for me. He uh, he's also a piece of garbage to his single mom. He's got teeth like a Brit, and uh, <laughs> his his name is Noah Wiseman, and uh, he plays Samuel in the Babadook. Oh, hate yeah. him! Hate him! Hate him so much. He, I, I didn't hate this movie, but I really like this movie. So, so this is what I was thinking about um, when, uh, when I was thinking of characters because I'm thinking like it follows. Um, get out. Uh, what's don't the, breathe. Don't breathe. Like the the these movies that are kind of like. They kind of transcend the horror genre, but horror junkies are still into them. And, yeah. And so the, those are um, some examples of movies that I really liked. And uh, this comes along, and it seems to fall in line with all those other movies of like mainstream, just casual movie watchers enjoy them, and horror movie fans are like you got to see the babadook and i think this was one i think, I think you, we talked you, about on span of wood uh you introduced me, me to this movie for sure yeah absolutely because i think matt and i both watched it after you reviewed it on span the void when they would sort of let you talk about movies mm-hmm. <laughs> and so this movie, there's a lot of like really interesting layers to this movie and and the mom's struggle with her like losing her grasp on reality is very interesting, but it's always just kind of shattered by this little shit showing up and just shouting and just doing obnoxious things over and over again. And it just frustrated me 
to no end that like I mean she kind of loses it towards yeah. the end but I would have lost it within mm. the first 15 minutes like this kid was everything you hope your kid isn't yeah I that's a, yeah I oh. guess I like I like the fact that she was like she had to like her patience like was mm-hmm. tested and tested mm-hmm. and tested and then she did lose it quickly and then pulled it back in you know it just um uh, i thought this movie was nice and I, and yes but the kid was annoying for oh, sure he and that i think that was a i think it was a point of the movie a little bit like right okay well they nailed it because right. i'm I not him. the point of the movie but like it was well like I yeah, I, I I think that um, it was intentional. Yeah, yes, but it just it it was the court like it just was so coarse to me like it just wore me down so quickly. This kid and it just I was completely turned off to the movie and like I I tried to like grasp it straws like okay like i see the themes of this movie i i see what they're doing okay the the ending's a little ambiguous the ending's not great either like i the ending left a little to be desired but this kid was just so unpleasant to deal with for an hour and a half that just I I couldn't get into the movie because I was just the whole time I was thinking like I I'd want to just when he's having one of his, his tantrums pull over, unbuckle his car seat, place him gently on the side of the road, and then pedal to the metal and get the fuck out of there because this kid mm. is the worst. <laughs> so. Just leave him there. Yeah. Just get out. Absolutely. Get out. Get out. Yeah, take a picture with your cell phone. <laughs> Logan. Logan. Slash. He, uh, um, I'm going to look up his name because he, uh, I know, I know he played Snoop Dogg in the, um, uh, Straight Outta Compton. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, he was in, uh, he was, uh, but- he was in dope and his the scene in like he was in um uh uh short war machine too oh was he yeah he's in short term 12 um and he the scene in dope where uh he's um where Oh my god. This, this damn beer. Uh the scene mm. <laughs> the scene in dope where uh Oh my god. It's it's towards the end and um I'm sorry, I'm trying to look up his his character's name, but the the uh scene where uh Malcolm pulls out the gun on on his character is like one of the most heartbreaking scenes I think I've yeah. seen in the past like half decade. Ugh, it's so good cuz cuz he doesn't want to be that kid. He's he's worked so hard <clears throat> to not be that kid. 
Uh, that it's it, it has such a good turn at the end yeah. too. It's such a great turn. yeah, and it's a, it's such that's a great example of an earned arc. Yeah, like we for talk sure. we talk about so much on this show about like oh these these things were out of character. It was unearned. Like he was finally pushed to the brink, and you see it for an hour and fifteen minutes. But yeah. Oh, I feel bad that I can't find his name. I'm sure if I look up short term twelve. Um, but anyways. <laughs> well, that, that <clears throat> damn kid. That damn kid. Uh, I think uh, Ellen Brody said it best. Is she said uh, unless you want to get his name. Did you find it? His name. Oh, um, it is Lakeith Stanfield. Stanfield, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, he's. Um, I, I I hope he I hope he keeps. Oh, he's on, popping on up the more and more, on the trajectory so, I mean, he's on because I I think he's really good. He was great in short term twelve. Um, he's got a recognizable face. Yeah. And he's got he, he can emote pretty well. I mean, we saw it in Get Out. And yeah, he was funny. Like he was funny when he needed to be in Get Out, and then the he's the the infamous camera flash, of course. But, yeah, but yeah, that when he gets that, that opening gun, scene in, in Get Out too is pretty pretty cool too. When he gets that gun pulled on him in Dope, though, that is so uh, heartbreaking oh, almost, right? Yeah, I was and, and I was so invested in in that movie so it just it it was heartbreaking but yeah he is he is really good and yeah when he, he's like it in this unknown suburb in the opening of get out <laughs> and then he shows up later in that ridiculous suit <laughs> <laughs> well as i said ellen Brody said it best when she said hey you want to get drunk and fool around?